What is up, you guys? It is Julia, your founder here for day eight of Future Teens of Medicine. Today is the first day of week two, and this week we are primarily focusing on the nervous system and the brain. I know I have many members who are interested in neurology, so if that is the case and you are one of those members, this is your week to shine. The first thing we're going to discuss today is the neuron. Neurons are the nervous system's building blocks. Sensory neurons carry messages from sense receptors, motor neurons carry messages away from the central nervous system and to muscles, and inner neurons carry messages between nerve cells. Inner neurons can be found in the brain and spinal cord. Neurons consist of many parts. The dendrites are the branching extensions of the nerves that receive messages and conduct impulses towards the cell body. They essentially receive info and carry that info into the cell body. The cell body, or the soma, contains the nucleus. It assesses all of the messages received from the dendrites and decides whether or not to fire. The axon is the part of the dendrite responsible for transmission. Information travels along the axon in the form of an electrical charge called action potential. The myelin sheath is the layer of fatty tissue that protects and speeds up signal transmission. Our brain activity is also measured in milliseconds. Action potential is when a neuron fires an impulse and receives a signal, whether it's pressure, heat, or light. The action potential is a brief electrical charge that travels down the axon. They occur because of an exchange of electrically charged atoms called ions. The resting potential of an axon is negative. The axon surface is also selectively permeable. When a neuron fires, the axon opens its gates and the positively charged ions flood that membrane channel. This is depolarizing that part of the axon, causing the next part to open, and then so on and so forth. The refractory period is when the positively charged ions are pushed back out so the process can repeat all over again. In order for an action potential to occur, the excitatory impulses must outweigh the inhibitory impulses. Neurotransmitters are chemical messengers that relay neural messages across the synapse. When the signal reaches the end of the axon, it causes neurotransmitters to be released into that synapse. Action potential causes synaptic vesicles to release neurotransmitters in order to pass the message across the synaptic gap. Once the neurotransmitters cross the synaptic gap, they bind to the receptor site on the receiving neuron. Reuptake is the reabsorption of a secreted substance by the cell that originally produced and secreted it. Our central nervous system is composed of the brain and the spinal cord. The peripheral nervous system links the central nervous system with the body's sense receptors, muscles, and glands. The autonomic nervous system carries signals to the internal organs to perform jobs such as digestion, respiration, heart rate, and arousal. The sympathetic nervous system arouses the body. It is known as the flight or flight response. It helps us respond to stressful and emergency situations. The parasympathetic nervous system calms the body. It returns our body to a calmer functioning after arousal by the sympathetic nervous system. Our somatic nervous system controls voluntary movement of muscles. Now moving on to the brain. The brain is one of our body's largest and most complex organs. It consists of over 100 billion nerves that, commun that communicate through connections called synapses. The brain contains different parts that all work together for our body to function. The frontal lobe lies behind the forehead, and it is involved in speaking, muscle movements, making plans, and judgments. At the back of the frontal lobe is the motor cortex. 
The motor cortex is the area that controls the body's voluntary motor movements. Something I find really interesting is that when researchers stimulate specific parts of this region in the left or right hemisphere, specific body parts move on the opposite side of the body. Our Broca's area is also located on the left frontal lobe. Broca's area is vital for us to be able to express our language fluently. The parietal lobe lies at the top of our head and toward the rear. It is involved in touch sensations, perceiving spatial relationships, and mathematical reasoning. At the front of the parietal lobe is a somatosensory cortex. This serves as the primary processing area for sensations of touch, temperature, pain, and pressure from all over the body. If you stimulate a point at the top of this band of tissue, a person may report being touched on the shoulder, and if you stimulate some point on the side, a person may feel something on their face. The more sensitive the area, the larger the sensory cortex area is devoted to it. The parietal lobe relates this information to our mental map of the body, which helps us locate the sources of sensations. The occipital lobe lies at the back of our head. It includes our visual association areas and receives visual information from the opposite visual field. Lastly, the temporal lobe lies roughly above our ears. It is involved in processing sounds and recognizing faces. Our wernix area is also within the left temporal lobe. This area is vital for understanding language and making sense of what is said. The areas of the cerebral cortex that are not involved in primary motor or muscle activity, but rather learning, remembering, thinking, and speaking are called association areas. These items associate various sensory inputs with stored memories. This area is difficult for researchers to identify due to the fact that electrically probing the association area does not trigger any observable responses. They do know, however, that this area interprets, integrates, and acts on information that is processed in the sensory areas. Plasticity is the brain's capacity to modify following damage. Most severed neurons will not regenerate. However, neural tissue can reorganize in response to damage. Neuroplasticity is the ability of the brain to recognize, to reorganize neural pathways based on new experiences. Brain hardware changes over time as the brain can rewire itself with new synapses or select new uses for its rewired circuit. Our brains are most plastic when we are young children because babies are born with a surplus of neurons that can be put to work if there's a need. The brainstem is the oldest and innermost region, and it begins where the spinal cord enters the skull. It swells slightly to form the medulla. The medulla oblongata is the lower half of the brainstem, and it controls heart rate, breathing, and blood pressure. Pons is where the medulla oblongata and thalamus connect. It is involved in facial expressions and sleeping or dreaming cycles. The reticular formation is inside the brainstem between the ears. It is a finger-shaped network of neurons that extends from the spinal cord to the thalamus. It filters incoming stimuli and relays important information to other areas of the brain. It helps control arousal to different stimuli and the ability to focus attention. The thalamus is at the top of the brainstem. It receives information from all the senses except smell. It routes the sense to a higher brain region that deals with that sense. It also receives from the higher brain replies, which then directs to other areas. The cerebellum extends from the rear of the brainstem. It's responsible for coordinary, 
coordinating voluntary movements. If you injure this area, you are likely to have difficulty keeping balance, walking, or even shaking hands. Our limbic system is also known as our emotional control center. It is on the border of the brainstem and the cerebral hemispheres. The amygdala is also known as the aggression center. It plays a role in emotional memories. The hypothalamus is below the thalamus and it regulates body temperature and activities of the autonomic nervous system involved in drives such as hunger, thirst, sex, and basic emotions. This area is associated with strong feelings of pleasure. The hippocampus is the largest structure in the limbic system and it plays a vital role in the formation of new memories. That wraps us up for today, guys. I know today's podcast was slightly longer than usual, but I'm trying to fit as much information as I can in before the medical seminar on a Friday, as I know many of you are a little worried about that. So this week, we're just building up our knowledge on neurology. Have a great rest day of your have a great rest of your day, guys, and thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it, and I'm super excited to see you all on Friday.